to this uh, beautiful fall Saturday morning. I'll tell you what, fall is here in full swing. Temperatures are great. Sun is out, at least for most of the state. And uh, our fall fishing is absolutely spectacular. We're going to talk fishing on this program. We're also going to talk a little bit about the paranormal uh, places to go with state parks. But uh, I think fishing is, until the hunting season rolls around, until the general big game season for deer, the fishing is absolutely spectacular, and there are fewer people out there. I guess they just don't like to brave this cool, chilly mornings, but uh, I'll tell you, it's well worth it. It's well worth it. I had a chance to get out this past week myself and uh, and jigged up some really, really, really nice bluegill, a fat old Pelican Lake kind, at Deer Creek Reservoir, of all places. Um, just nice three-quarters of a pound plus bluegill, uh, even a couple of crappie in there as well. But a nice, nice morning, but this is the time of year especially uh, you know you got conference weekend this weekend some people got a lot of extra time on their hands if you're looking for a place to take your kids man this is the weekend to get out and do it and to tell us more about that is our sport fish coordinator from the division of wildlife resources randy oplinger who joins us randy thanks for being with us this morning hey no problem uh True or false, right? It's a great time of year, maybe second only to the spring when the ice is off to catch fish here in the state of Utah. And the weather is typically a little nicer now than it is maybe in early May. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. I think this is one of the best times of year to get out fishing. Uh, fish are biting like crazy right now, so it's a good time to get some fish. And, you know, you kind of nailed the, the you nailed it on the head earlier when you said there's just fewer people out there as well. So I think <laughs> it's a good time to get out there and beat the crowds, maybe get to some waters that sometimes get really slammed in the summer. I'm picking places like Jordanelle and Willard Bay and some other places. They get a lot of people, but there's going to be fewer people out there, and the fishing should be great right now. Yeah, and the other thing is the urban fisheries, right? I mean, they're close to home. You don't have to worry about making a, a full day of it perhaps it's something the kids can even ride their bikes to or whatever but you can certainly get your kids out have a nice lunch most of those urban fisheries have at least an area where you can have picnic tables and whatever it, it can be one of those days that your kids are going to remember and you'll remember for a long time yeah you're absolutely right you know we have urban fisheries really all over the salt lake valley they probably have one really close to your house and we're stocking these like crazy this time of year, and the fishing could be really good in them. And you're right, there's a little bit for everybody at one of these urban fisheries. You know, some some people could go fishing, some kids could go play on the playground. You got the picnic tables for picnics. You know, there's just a lot of things you can do. So this really provides, I think, a good opportunity for a whole family to get out and have a good family adventure and incorporate some fishing while you're out there. Talk to me about the kinds of fish that we stock in those. Not everyone is stocked the same, not all of the urban fisheries, but uh, in terms of the species of fish that are put in there on a regular basis. Yeah, we manage them all a little bit differently, but predominantly we're putting rainbow trout in kind of the spring and the fall months in these urban fisheries. And then these are lower elevation fisheries. They're small ponds. They're, they're a little hot for trout during the summer months, so we frequently swap over to some catfish stocking kind of in July, August kind of time frame to provide that as a species option kind of in the middle of the summer. And then uh, some of the other fisheries have bluegill, largemouth bass, not, not all of them, but we do put them in some of the fisheries and they provide a good opportunity for something a little different than bluegill, or sorry, largemouth bass, sorry, sorry, other than catfish and rainbow trout yeah. waters. I mentioned the bluegill that I caught this week up at Deer Creek Reservoir. I mean, we're talking big bluegill, pound bluegill. Um, I mean, that, that's, that makes for a great little meal as well as a lot of fun. But for kids, once you get into a school of bluegill, it's hard to beat the fishing. Uh, I mean, the action is about as fast as you're going to get. 
No, you're absolutely right. That's I think what got me hooked on the fishing was bluegill. You know, mm-hmm. you go out there as a kid and <laughs> see them right kind of swimming around right along the shore and just drop your bait and just catch them all day. And they're a blast to catch. I think, you know, people think they're not that big of a fish, which is true. I mean, they're on the small side, but I think pound for pound, they bite like crazy and they're a fun fish to catch. Yeah, they taste great. I mean, they're, it's, they're a super good little meal. Uh, if you haven't eaten bluegill, you really haven't lived because that, that white, um, just that white little filet is about as good as it gets. And if you want to make a great fish taco, try it with a bluegill. It doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think every every fish is a little bit different in terms of taste, but bluegill, I think, are a species that's a little bit underappreciated, but they're they're good fish to eat. Yeah, they they really are. Now, talk to me about regulations for people who are uh, maybe unfamiliar with urban fisheries. Catch limits, uh, same same uh, bag limits and possession limits apply. Correct. That is correct. So, I mean, they're, they're managed a lot like our standard fisheries in the state with same bag limits and possession limits and all that. And we'd like to encourage adults. It's okay to fish in those uh, urban fisheries if you're an adult. You don't have to just be a kid. But please be advised that, uh, you know, you don't want to take a limit every time you go as an adult. I mean, that is a way that we have to get kids involved in fishing and keep them involved. There's nothing, you know, catching is, is the thing. Fishing is fun, and as adults we understand. But for a kid just getting started, catching is the thing. You, you want to allow them to catch. And if we take those fish out as adults, uh, that's going to be less and less for the kids to catch. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You know, the urban fisheries, the community fisheries, they're out there for everyone. They're for kids. They're for adults. But, you know, we really kind of view them as a good opportunity to get kids fishing. They're, you know, often kind of in a park kind of setting. You Mm -hmm. can park really close to where the fishery is and walk out and have a nice grassy shore in a lot of these waters. And they're just easy places for a kid to go. And, you know, I think as an adult, if you have kids, it's a great place for you to teach your kids to fish. But I'm totally with you there where, you know, I think let the kids catch the fish you know if you're an adult and you want to fish go for it but maybe think about releasing the fish because yeah. they do get caught out of these community fisheries pretty quickly and leaving them for the kids i think it's a good opportunity for the kids to get their feet wet so to speak and you know experience fishing and have some good luck because i think you know having a three-year-old myself i think uh <laughs> nothing a kid likes more than just catching fish while they're out there That's right. and they get bored pretty quickly if they're not well, you know, when you and I were kids, you could ride the bike across the field and there'd be a pond there that have bluegill in it or, you know, other kind of sunfish or whatever. Uh, those days are pretty well gone because of all the development. And so this urban fisheries program has really become the next generation for that. And so, you know, again, if you think of it as what you, when we were kids, all of us were kids, and you can find that just that local open body of water, a small pond in the neighborhood, that's kind of what our urban fisheries need to be treated like now as an adult and that is hey, you know take the kids have a great day out there maybe catch a few yourself release them though but let the kids have those fish because they do cost money obviously it costs us all to raise those fish in a hatchery program there is some i'm sure there's some natural recruitment in those ponds but for the most part they're put and take fisheries yeah, for the most part, they're put and take. And it depends a little on the species. You know, we're stocking yeah. rainbow trout and catfish extensively in those waters. And we try to let bass and bluegill kind of do their own thing, which they, they do pretty successfully in these kinds of ponds. So there's a mix of both us stocking and us letting them, you know, just reproduce naturally. But the bulk of the fish are stocked. 
Well, Randy, we appreciate it. Uh, we hope you have a great weekend. And uh, and again, thanks for the work you guys do. I think the Urban Fisheries Program, boy, the thing has just grown by leaps and bounds. And I think it's a wonderful way to do it. And for people who are looking, again, for this, this conference weekend, um, somebody forgot to tell the weatherman, I think, because typically the weather is lousy for April conf- I mean, uh, October conference. But it's not that bad this year. So um, go, go out, enjoy it, get on out, and uh, maybe take those kids to that urban fishery and just let them wet a line. It's a great opportunity to get them hooked literally on fishing and uh, and the outdoors in our state. So you guys do a great job at the division. I think that urban program is a wonderful program, and, uh, and we appreciate it. Yeah, thanks a lot. And like you said, it's looking like it's going to be a great weekend to get out and do some fishing. All right. Thanks again. That's Randy Opplinger, who is the Sport Fish Coordinator with the Utah State Division of Wildlife Resources. Uh, that's about as good as it gets, I'll tell you. It, uh, it's, it's a great way to... Um, uh, to get your kids involved and to just spend some family time, some good family time and enjoying uh, the outdoors in our state of Utah. Uh, again, I had a chance this past week, got a chance to go up to uh, to Deer Creek, spent about an hour jigging for bluegill, really found some nice bluegill. I got to tell you, I mean, bluegill up to a pound, uh, just wonderful size bluegill that made a just a great series of fillets and uh, very easy just uh, tipping a little small jig with a worm and uh, vertical jigging over them. You get one of those days when it's nice and calm and you can do that. Uh, that was absolutely the case earlier this week. So think about that as a way to uh, to get on out and do something other than catching rainbow. Got a few rainbow in the boat, but the bluegill fishery was terrific. I know that the perch fishing, uh, if you can find those, those balls of perch now, again, do the same thing. Just vertical jig right over top of them. Get there early in the morning when that water is nice and calm and just sit over top of them. Uh, tell you what was terrific was that trolling motor, that Minn Kota motor that's got the anchor lock on it, a spot lock. You you just push the button, and it'll keep you right on top of the same area. Those fish in and out, in and out, and um, it was just a, a great hour or so of uh, vertical jigging for for bluegill. Listen, uh, we're going to take a break. We'll be back. We'll talk to George. And we'll talk to Gary. That's coming up next. And at the end of the show, the last segment, we're going to talk about haunted state parks and your opportunity for the paranormal tours coming up before Halloween. Stick around. We continue with Inside the Outdoors on this Saturday morning. back on this Saturday morning. Welcome back to Inside the Outdoors. And uh, we're going to talk fishing. we got George Summer in as a, a weekly thing, of course. Uh, George brings us his first-hand reviews, hopefully, because he gets out at least uh, not as much as he'd like to, but probably more than the rest of us to get out on the water and uh, find out what's going on from a first-hand perspective instead of just a, uh, just a hearsay. So, George, welcome to the show. I, I hope you got a chance to get out fishing again this past week. Well, you know, I did go fishing, um, <laughs> but I think we talked a week before how my mojo was a little off and it's still <laughs> off. <laughs> Uh-oh. So, the, were the fish cooperative? That's the first question. Well, the, the fish were, were very cooperative, but just, you know, I, I don't fly fish as much as I should, probably, or, or I should, you know, keep the reflexes going. So, I could I, I, I get bit, but my reflexes were so far off that... 
that they were long gone by the time I, oh, <laughs> hey, that was a bite, you know. Yeah, these so, the but, fish uh, are fast these days. I, you know, when we're getting older, George, it works that way. It does, you know, and they, and they were they were up um, uh, feeding on. I don't know what was coming off on the surface, and so I'd swing it down there, and and, and you know I'd get a bit on, on like every third or third or fourth swing, and and uh, but I just could not get a hook in them, and and uh, I, I'm thinking, man, there's something wrong with me. So I tried some <laughs> other spice. Uh, believe me, I, I started on the lower probo, and it was cold. I you know I had to I had to finally quit because I couldn't feel my fingers anymore. Yeah, and, it was uh, a chilly, especially for the first part of the week. It, it was definitely cold. Yeah, yeah, and so, um, you know, I went tried a couple other places. I ended up at the, the Provo River up to, on the Mirror Lake Highway, and there's a lot of fish there, too. Um, it's the challenge, you know, with uh, with these streams. Every one of them that I went to, they're crystal clear. Yeah. Um, so you, you kind of have to, I did some, some sneaking, you know, I'm not going to do the belly crawl because uh, who knows what bugs or things. And no fish up. is worth that these up. days. At our age, George, no fish is worth it. Well, the challenge is I can get down and do the belly crawl, but it's I can't get up. back up. So. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. It becomes, becomes a constant belly crawl all the way back to the car. Yeah, yeah, but you know that, that that was one of the challenges I had too. Was that that if you didn't sneak up on the hole, um, the fish would see and they were out of there. So you know the the, the holes I snuck up on, um, yeah, there were fish in there and I got bit, but I just couldn't get the the reflexes down pat. So it, uh, you know, yeah, I'm going to change tactics next week. I'm hoping I'm going to get a chance. Uh, I, well, I'm not hoping, but I'm planning on going up to Strawberry uh, before my deer hunt starts and and see if we can uh, get into some of those uh, bigger cuts. Yeah, it's the time of year. I mean, if if we're looking for things to do, Strawberry is one of those places we need to target right now. It is, you know, and it's it's uh, I just pulled up the stocking reports and and they've stocked out they're stocking bigger fish uh, because they found that uh, stocking those smaller rainbows and cutthroats all they are is food for those big cutthroats. So um, I looked, and there's a stock uh, going out that went out this week um, of a bunch of rainbows, and they stocked some some big cutthroats uh, a few weeks ago. So it's uh, hopefully we'll get out there and have some fun and catch some fish. You know, while we're on the subject, let's talk about stocking reports so where people can find those. Because, uh, as you mentioned, they're stocking bigger fish. If you want to find out what size fish are being stocked and where, uh, let's talk about how people can do that. Because I think that's an important thing. A lot of guys will say, well, I went so-and-so, and all I caught was seven, eight-inch planters and things like that. They do stock different size fish in different waters, and finding that out can certainly change the success rate and the uh, the catch size of your uh, of your trip to a certain body of water well exactly you know so the easiest way for people to find out is you go to wildlife.utah.gov um, and then in the fishing there's a fishing uh, menu in the, the header bar up there the drop down menu select fishing reports and then you'll select the body of water so I, I pulled up strawberry um, I selected strawberry and then there's another in, down in the menu there that pops up is stocking reports and you'll click on that and it'll tell you everything that's been stocked for um, I, I just looked at what was recent uh-huh. um, but you can do that with any body of water that gets stocked that's in the fishing report will have that stocking report and it's exactly what you said you know if you're, if you're going to strawberry and you see they're stocking four or five inch fish guess what <laughs> yeah, that's what you're going to catch uh, a, well, or I'm going to throw a swim bait that looks like a four or five inch fish yeah. um, because those four or five inches aren't going to last very long they're going to get eaten by something bigger and that's what I'll be targeting 
That's true. That's exactly right. And and it is a tool that a lot of people don't use. The guys like you who know what they're doing, they'll do exactly that. Is they'll utilize that tool to decide what to fish with and what to fish for. Because if you especially if you're going to a body of water that doesn't I mean it is a real put and take fishery where it doesn't have a lot of holdover fish, you're going to get primarily what's been stocked. Exactly, you know. So if if, if you look in their ten inch fish, you only catch ten inch fish. Look at another body of water yeah. um, that's the same kind, and they may be stocking thirteen inch fish in there. Um, and a thirteen inch fish is more palatable to most people than a ten inch fish. So it, it's a it's a tool that I don't think a lot of anglers know about or use, and, and it can definitely help your fishing success. So again, that's uh, that's utah.wildlife.gov, right? Or wildlife.utah.gov. Yeah, wildlife.utah.gov, right. and then in the in the menu bar, select fishing, and then in the drop-down menu, it'll, it'll show fishing reports, and that'll bring up a, an interactive map, and you can scroll to wherever you want to go fishing, and if there's a fishing report for that and it's stocked, it'll be on that uh, the other drop-down menu for that body of water. All right, so this week, if people are looking for a place to go, um, you're still not giving up on the Provo, but it's just the reflexes better be a little better, right? Yeah, I'm going to have to practice a little more. <laughs> so, no, the Provo was good. Um, there were a lot of fish there, and they were uprising, and there was a lot of fishermen, so it was kind of like take a number on certain parts of it. But, uh, you know, I'd go to, uh, I, I think, anybody. Water the perch fishing still good at uh, Rockport Echo. Um, and then, uh, you know, like me and a bunch of other people, we're going to be targeting strawberry. Yeah. Well, and, and you're right. I mean, this is a great time of year. We heard from Randy Opplinger in our last segment about some of the uh, pond fisheries and, and the fish. This is a great time of year to be out on the water. And, you know, we tell people every year, especially if the weather is good, don't forget to take that fishing rod when you go out on the deer hunt. Exactly. You know, there's uh, a lot of people, the way they hunt is they're up in the morning, they come back around uh, 9 or 10 or so, and and then they just lounge around camp. Well, why lounge around camp? Yeah. You're typically going to be camping somewhere by a body of water. Go out and go fishing. Yeah, yeah, it's it is the great time of year, especially when you get this this you know sixty five to seventy degree weather in the valley, and you're getting fifty five to sixties up at elevation. It's absolutely beautiful, and you get that Indian summer. It gives you something to do besides take that nap during the middle of the day, right? <laughs> it does. Yep. All right, George. Well, good luck next week. Uh, we plan on hearing that your reflexes have improved, and you've been banging some big cutthroats out of, and some big rainbows out of uh, out of strawberry. Yep. yep, we'll definitely follow up, and I'll have a report for you. All right, thanks, George. Thanks, Steve. Take care. You too. Oh yes. And I don't know if we're going to have to change the music or not uh, for the winter. We're not going to do it during the fall because this is still walk down the bank, have the old cane pole and catch a few fish. And, and uh, you know, I mentioned earlier in the uh, in the program about my catching some uh, bluegill. So, you know, that's, that's kind of bluegill sound of music. That's, that's all right. But I don't know if we can do that in November and December. We might have to change the music for a while because uh, but the, to me, that is the music for my next guest. Gary Winterton, Mr. Hooked on Utah, uh, the ginger ninja himself, uh, Canelo Winterton. That is the guy that we uh, yeah. we pull them all out today, right? I mean, yeah. it's like Gosh. every every uh, every one of the uh, euphemisms works. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing awesome. 
You know, I do. I love the music because it still kind of has that summer feel. Yep. And uh, we're having an awesome beginning to fall where we've got, you know, beautiful bluebird skies, oh, the warm sun with crisp air. I love it. It it has been good. I'll tell you, uh, you know, I, I mentioned to you before we came on the air that early in the week I'd, I'd gone up and got some real nice bluegill. And, I mean, it was just, it, it felt like summer fishing. You know, you're sitting over a school of bluegill and every drop down, bang, 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 you know, they're just nibbling at it. And uh, it was absolutely terrific but the weather was beautiful i mean absolutely spectacular beautiful you know you got mid 60s low 60s no wind which tell me a day like that at deer creek in the middle of the uh, in the middle of the day no wind at all just absolute glass and the fish biting every every time down it was as good as it gets yeah you know and uh, so i gotta ask you you know you stopped by the house showed me your mm-hmm. bluegill what are you gonna do with them uh, oh, we already filleted them up. <laughs> we already filleted them. Let me tell you something. They make great fish tacos. I love bluegill fillets. They just are as good as uh, as it gets, I think. Um, I mean, you know, we love bass. We love to eat walleye. All those white fish. But a bluegill, especially when you get some with some shoulders on them like they had, you get a great little fillet out of them. And it makes a, a wonderful fish taco. Another way I like to eat them, and the bluegill may be a little small. It's better probably with walleye or with bass, is to take a, a glass Pyrex, um, you know, like a casserole dish, and layer it with the um, with the fillets and put a little lemon pepper on them. And then take a cream of mushroom soup. And put that over the top, and then you take a uh, take a little cheese and sprinkle that on top. Grate the cheese and sprinkle it on top, and then put those canned um, they're, they're onions. They're a deep fried, you know, like a breaded onion. Yep. That, that's you take those and put them on top. Put the whole thing into a three hundred and fifty degree oven for about oh twenty minutes, twenty twenty five minutes is all. If you've got the thicker fillets like the walleye, you got to go a little longer. If you've got the thinner fillets like a uh, like the bluegill, you don't need to go as long. And just put it in and let all that that soup and cheese and those crunchy uh, onions melt on top of those fillets, and then just bring it out. And I'll tell you, it is it eats as good as anything we have and um, it's just an easy easy thing to do and makes for a wonderful meal dude i'm starving just hearing that and it sounds absolutely delicious <laughs> hey it makes a good so, breakfast a little breakfast uh you know put it on some toast as well so yeah you can oh, get yeah. by with that but yeah I, I, I love eating the bluegill they taste great well i'll tell you what this week steve we went and did something similar you know you caught those bluegill and they're some of the best-eating little panfish. We, our show tonight is uh, a really cool thing. We went with Brad Bradley, our buddy, mm-hmm. retired DNR um, officer, lives down in Manti. We went up on top of the Skyline Drive. And this time, instead of hitting the ponds, we went and found some of the smallest streams that they have up there. And I was so blown away by the fish that we caught in these streams. Really? And I'm talking stre- streams that are two feet two feet wide you can step across them and they'll have these little plunge pools behind the logs and the boulders we were using marabou jigs six uh thirty one thirty second ounce and 16th ounce um black green brown dropping them in jigging them and just bam getting blasted by rainbows cutthroat and brooks wow and what was so cool about it is those are the types of fish that if you catch a couple and keep them and then later that day, you, you find your fire pit and you cook them over an open flame. 
you know, season them up, use some tin foil, tin foil, bring up some vegetables and a few things in the day. Now, I was thinking as you were describing what you did with your bluegill, that is some of the best eating up on the mountain. But let me tell you what, I was so surprised. And Brad, I asked him, I said, all right, so why is this fishing so good up here? And he goes, number one, most people will drive right by these small ponds or streams because they're so narrow and they look so thin, they just figure there's nothing in them. And they won't take the effort to walk up and kind of climb over the logs and the rocks and the boulders and fish these little, and when I say plunge pool, I'm talking something that might be, you know, four feet in diameter, maybe three feet in diameter, and two, three feet deep. And, and it's just small. And then all the water around, it's really skinny, just kind of dribbling down. But there are phenomenal fish in there. And so he actually told me that about 30 years ago, as a young DNR officer, um, he got a call from the fisheries guys. They had a bunch of fish left over uh, that needed to be stocked, and he planted those fish 30 years ago, um, which now, you know, they would, you wouldn't get the brooks in there, but the right. cutthroats and the bows, you would. Well, these fish, every one of them, are naturally spawned. They are beautiful. The colors on them are incredible. The fins, they're just the most pristine, perfect fish you've ever seen, and so these fish, we, we went and hit streams, and, I mean, we walked out into some meadows, Steve, that would blow your mind. You'll see this on the show tonight, where we, I, I actually am just barely hanging my rod over and dropping it into kind of the grass, into some little narrow openings, and I pluck out some brook trout that are just phenomenal. That is crazy because, you, you know, you're right. I've seen those little streams myself, and I've done exactly what he's talking about, and that is you look at that and think, nah, I couldn't hold fish too small. And when we pulled up to some of our first ones, my thought was, really? This is where we're going to fish? And because I'd said, hey, I could bring a fly rod. Or, and he goes, well, I think a spinning rod will be better because you can, you, you're can. you only going to use about four or five feet of line. You're just yeah. going to drop it in these plunge pools. Well, it got so much fun that at one point, and you'll see it in the show, a couple of clips, I get separated from, from Wyatt, my camera guy, and from Brad. So I've got my GoPro on, and I'm... I'm hiking up through the boulders and the logs, and it looks like the Uinta Mountains, and I'm just dropping it in and out of these plunge pools, and you'll be stunned at the fish that I pop out of there. And so that is just, I mean, that's it's like the bluegill fishing that you did on Deer Creek. You know, you anchor up, and you get surprised when you try something different, and I think that's the, you know, one of the lessons today is, if you, if you see something, go fish it. Try yeah. something different, and you'll always be surprised because... That's where you luck into, you know, a, a new technique or a way. And I'm going to throw in one more little crazy story here. My son, Brock, is down to Snow College, and he, he's down there playing football. He's got a couple of roommates from the Gunnison area. So they took him the other day, you know, before class. They drove down near Gunnison and hit this little stream, and they were throwing regular MEPS spinners, and they were catching two to three pounds smallmouth. Oh, Wow. Wow. Yeah. And my son Brock was like, I would never have fished that. And so he sent me a bunch of pictures of these big smallmouth that they were catching on rooster tail. I guess there's going to be a show on smallmouth fishing uh, with uh, with MEP spinners for smallmouth. I think, yeah, I think you guessed it. I'm going to go down there and hit it and see what we can produce. Absolutely. But yeah. How fun is that? So, you know. That is the real fun about what we're doing. And a lot of guys, and we talk about this in the show tonight, 
um, you know, there's big fish guys, you know, and, and that's all they care about. But I think you miss some really fun fishing. And, in fact, I will say that little stream fishing, the funnest fishing I've done this year, um, barring my Amazon adventure. But for all around Utah and the West, that's it. Yeah. Because it was so different and so fun to creep up to these little plunge pools and drop that marabou jig into the just the bubbling water and boom, get hit, you know, and then pull it out and one fish would be a brook trout, the next fish would be a cutthroat, the next fish would be a rainbow. And I'd, I'd not just put them back into the plunge pool and then I'd move up to the next one. And I think every one of these plunge, plunge pools, I caught no less than four to five fish out of each one. Jeez, I tell you that, and that is fun fishing. That, that's that's really fun fishing. Hey, by the way, I wanted to mention. First of all, obviously, it's a show tonight, eleven oh five, right after talking sports on KUTV Channel Two. It is hooked on Utah. They want to make sure they see that. But when we were at the house, I saw your new boat, and and I am blown away by the boat that you. I mean, I was blown away by the boat that you had that we fished on East Canyon earlier this year. But this new low that you have with a three hundred horse on the back is absolutely amazing i've never seen an aluminum boat like this in my life before yeah i'm so excited it, it uh, christmas came early the Jeez, my, I guess. Uh, Rog- yeah my rogers performance for reen lund that was supposed to arrive in february arrived two weeks ago it came early and Man. it's the 2075 pro v lund and it's got the new mercury xs pro 300 horse on the back so it's a true v8 with a uh, uh, EFI 15-horse kicker, and then everything you can ever imagine on it. And, and I can say this. Um, if you've never, if you've owned a bass boat or you've owned another style of fishing boat or just a family boat, but you've wanted a real good boat for fishing that you can multi-species out of, and I mean, you want to go tournament bass fish, you can do it. You want a walleye, mac, whatever. You need to stop in either in the Hurricane location or the Centerville location, Rogers Performance Marine, and check out the new Lunds. They're, they are the best boat. I don't think I'll ever go back to a bass boat, and, and I've had a bunch like you have as well. Yeah. Having, having now spent a year in three different models of these Lunds, the Magnum, uh, the 1975 Pro V, and now this 2075, which is a 21-foot um, aluminum boat. It's the nicest, sweetest riding, uh, most versatile fishing boat I've ever been in. Well, I, I was amazed at the other one, the one that, that we were in. Um, that was the best, you know, aluminum boat I have ever been in, and it had so much walk around room. This thing, when I saw it yesterday, I couldn't believe the size of, it. and the fact that you've got so much computer stuff in the boat. I mean, I'm not bright enough to to use it, but you can set your you can set your RPM, you can set your throttle, you can set your trim all by computer. So you're going to get the most efficient trim and throttle uh, at whatever speed or whatever elevation you're at, and it's all pre-computer programmed. You just push the button, and it takes care of it for you. Oh yeah, <laughs> you can do that. I mean. It's- and then it'll with the with the hummingbird and the Altera trolling motor, and then the kicker on the back. If you've got any of the lake maps for the hummingbird, you can actually you control depth, contour yeah. line, structure, holdover structure. So it, it does all those amazing features. And if you're a guy that says, "Oh, I don't want all that. I just want a, a pure fishing boat," then then go get the pure fishing boat yep. from Lund. Just 
don't don't get those features. But if you're in the hurricane area, go in and ask for Roger. If you're up in the Utah County, Salt Lake County, go into the Centerville Rogers Performance Marine and ask for Kurt. Tell them you heard this. You you spoke. You listened to Steve and Gary talk about it, and and they'll make you a really sweet deal on an amazing one. Yeah, it is absolutely like I said. I I couldn't believe it. I was blown away. Uh, I can't wait to fish off the boat. Like I said, the other one was incredible, and uh, and I I can't wait to fish off this new one. So we got to go out and and get a few fish uh, when you're not hunting for bass with MEP spinners. But uh, yeah, <laughs> so we'll go well, we'll go catch a few and stretch the string. But I I can't wait to see what you got going tonight. So again, we just want to remind folks, eleven oh five on KUTV channel two, right after talking sports. It is Hooked on Utah, and uh, you're going to be showing us some fish out of streams that we wouldn't believe even hold fish life. Yep, absolutely. Join us tonight. You're going to love the show. All right, brother. We'll talk to you next week, okay? Have a good one. And, uh, Steve, you and I are going to connect within the next week to two to take out the uh, the one. Sounds like a winner to me. All right, it's Gary Winterton tonight, Hooked on Utah, 1105 right after talking sports on KUTV Channel 2. Be sure and check it out. Listen, we're over time. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little scary stuff with our state parks and uh, some things for maybe you and the family to do in the next couple of weeks or that youth group or just a group of friends or whatever. Got some fun, fun stuff relating to Halloween. Stick around. We'll be right back. our final segment of the show on this Saturday morning. Hope you're out and about and enjoying our beautiful state and its great outdoors and fall and everything that comes along with it. And of course, we're just a couple of weeks away. And as I mentioned earlier, Halloween right on the horizon, along with the deer hunt and everything else. So a lot of stuff going on. And that means uh, it's time to get out and really enjoy things. One of the cool things that happens this time of year uh, with our state parks department is the uh, the haunted state parks. And of course, it just appears so perfectly with Halloween um, as this time of year rolls around because, you know, we've got a lot of history, great history with our state parks and a couple of them in particular. And uh, in conjunction with that, then the state has jumped on the bandwagon, I don't know for how many years, but the haunted state parks is kind of a cool time of year where they've got tours of state parks where lots of historic things have gone on. And, you know, the the paranormal and everything else is uh, so hot these days. I mean, people are excited about it and they want to go get scared and you know i guess it's the next incarnation of all those those old hollywood scary movies but it's the real thing and it's kind of fun so to tell us more about that because one of our state parks that really has a history uh is the uh, state park out west of lehigh in the west desert there camp floyd and the guy who is in charge of that whole thing joins me this morning we've had him on the show before but he's typically has come to us from uh from out at antelope island and he got tired of chasing tourists away from buffalo so he's now moved out to camp floyd and that's clay shelley clay how you doing doing wonderful how are you today <laughs> i'm doing great boy isn't it nice not to have to worry about uh, bison chasing uh, joggers and bikers and everything <laughs> all you got to worry about out there is mosquitoes and uh, maybe a few ghosts yeah it's, it's been a change for me from uh coming from antelope island to camp floyd but uh we're 
we're jumping in this full board, and we are having fun out here at Camp Floyd. You know, Camp Floyd, for, for those who are the, un, the uninitiated, Camp Floyd actually was a camp for, it was at Johnson's Army when they came from the Mormon uprising back uh, in the 1800s here. They, they actually camped out west of Lehigh there, right, to kind of keep an eye on things that were going on uh, along the Wasatch Front. Uh-huh. 3,500 soldiers were out here uh, as part of Johnson's Army from 1858 till 1861 when the Civil War broke out. They were recalled to uh, fight the Civil War, so there's a lot of history out here. And, I mean, 3,500, that was, uh, that time in particular, uh, for that area of the state, was a large concentration of human beings. Oh, absolutely. With the followers that were here helping support those those soldiers at Camp Floyd, there was over 7,000 people. It was the third largest community in Utah Territory at wow. that time. Yeah, that's that's hard for people to believe when you drive out there now and, you know, you drive out to that, uh, that West Desert that that many people lived out there. But uh, it was a big, big community. Now, talk to me about about the paranormal side of things, because I know State Parks has, has had a lot of fun with this thing. And it's a great opportunity for people who who like to to follow this to get involved in kind of the tours that you've got this time of year. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's quite a bit going on in state parks this time of year. I want to focus on a couple different things, and I encourage the uh, folks to go to stateparks.utah.gov, and they can click on the state park near them and see what's going on. Uh, for instance, those folks down around Cedar City at Frontier Homestead State Park, they have our haunted homestead on October 11th and October 12th from 6 to 8. And they also have their cemetery tour, which is a very popular tour on October 14th at 6.30. And so if folks are interested in that, they can jump on their website. Antelope Island, where I came from, uh, have the Ghost of Camp Floyd programs. Or not Ghost of Camp Floyd, that's mine now. Uh, they have their Haunted Ranch programs. Right. They're doing ghost tours from um, on October 12th and 19th. So I encourage folks up around Davis County, or Upper Salt Lake County area, to check out Antelope Island. And then at Camp Floyd, every Saturday in October, so starting October 5th, we have our Ghosts of Camp Floyd program from 7 to 9 p.m. where people can come and, and wander through their buildings. And what's interesting and really cool and exciting about Camp Floyd is not only were the soldiers here, but those that were here taking care of the needs of the soldiers, we had a half a mile uh, Frogtown Main Street. It was called Frogtown, and there were saloons, brothels, gambling halls. And uh, through some of the research, we have documented over 30 murders that happened along that Main Street. And the folks get to come out here and walk this Main Street and look. And from what I've been told, this is one of the hondest places in the state of Utah. So it's an amazing place. Um, And if you can't make it out on one of these Saturdays, if you have a large group, a minimum of 40 people, we are willing as a park to put a program on for you as well. So you can always contact each of the state parks and look on their websites and, and find those activities that are going on and see what might interest you this time of year. That's really cool stuff. Now, how do they, I imagine you need folks to pre-register for that. It's probably not a walk-up situation for the most part. Yes, as they, as they go to the websites, each one will show an email address or a phone number that they can call to pre-register. For instance, if you went to campfloyd.utah.gov and clicked on our events 
and camps, you would be able to get the phone number that you can call, pre-register. Uh, we encourage people to prepay. It's $7 a person to be able to do the programs out here. But that ensures your spot. So when you show up the night of, you know that you're part of that group because we are limited to to the amount of people we can go have go through the buildings at one time. So we, we, we take it at 40 and so if, if we have people show up past that 40, we can't we can't accept them. What do they need to bring, Clay? I mean, typically, obviously, I would imagine that camera or tape recorders or whatever to document some of this, correct? Yes. Uh, make sure, of course, it's cooler this time of year, so make sure you have proper attire, jackets, uh, coats, and that. Bring flashlights because uh, state parks, we are out in the dark, and right. a lot of us are going towards that dark sky, so it's a little bit darker in the uh, state parks. And so make sure you have flashlight. Your cell phone has great cameras on it. Um, bring good cameras, but there's also a lot of apps you can download right on to your cell phone that uh, will be able to uh, look and see if there's any hauntings. For instance, out here, uh, we just had a, a TV program. They haven't aired the episode yet, but they were out here filming this summer, and they were seeing uh, images of people wandering through the inn, and they were uh, detecting a lot of paranormal activity. So if you if folks want to come out here and, and try their luck at that, we encourage them to, to come on out. What, uh, what show is that? You want to share that with us so we can look for the episode? on arts and entertainment it's called psychic kids okay psychic kids and they filmed it this summer so i would imagine it's part of this fall fall schedule yep so far i've looked about episode six and i still haven't seen it yet so i'm okay. just waiting for her to find it yeah that sounds good so it's on a and e network uh-huh that sounds like like a lot of fun so again they need to go to to um uh, the state park stateparks.utah.gov to get uh-huh. started correct Yes, and that'll get you a link to every park in the area that you live. So you can look on their events page and see what's happening locally around you. Well, it sounds like a lot of fun. And again, if folks want to uh, do that other times of year, I mean, we think about it, obviously, here at this time of year in particular with Halloween. But other times of year, as long as they've got that group of 40 or more, if they contact you, you can set up the special tour for them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's a popular thing to do, and we've had several paranormal groups out here uh, this summer already. So, you know, we encourage them if they can't make it through October, which is the best time of year to do it. I think we can we can make it work other times of the year. I'll tell you the other thing is before you come out, it would be good to just get a little a copy of Utah history and get a little update and just study what what went on at Camp Floyd because it is a fascinating part of the state and it's one that doesn't get. Uh, I don't think it gets its due, but it certainly doesn't get the publicity that it should have as to how important a role that uh, that area, that time of year, or t- time of the century, rather, mid-1800s, played in the history of the state of Utah because uh, the federal government sent the army to t- take care of the rabble-rousers here in the state. That's right, and, and not only about the history out here about Camp Floyd, but there was mining, the Pony Express, yep. the Stagecoach, the Telegraph, and I encourage folks to follow us on Facebook and to go to our website because we have so much going on, uh, summer concerts, 
campfire programs, our military reenactment stuff. So I encourage them to, to look things up at Camp Floyd and, and come on out and check us out. Yeah, you're easy to get to. I mean, that's the thing. They just head straight west out of Lehigh, and it's a very easy camp, uh, a very easy state park to get to, Camp Floyd. Clay, thanks. I appreciate it. I wish you luck. Uh, hope you survive the hauntings this uh, Halloween season, <laughs> and I hope you have a lot of uh, co- company out there to uh, to check it out for you. Yep, and remember, Camp Floyd may be out here a ways, but it's only 21 miles back to the interstate, so you can get here pretty quick. There you go. There you go. All right, my friend. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you soon, Clay. Thanks for the time. You bet. That's Clay Shelley, who's the uh, camp manager, the uh, superintendent out at the state park at Camp Floyd. It's It really is a lot of fun. And uh, again, the, the paranormal, the hauntings out there, and just the history of the place can make a great time of year looking for a youth group or whatever, or a bunch of adults. Uh, great opportunity. Get it, Check them out and uh, and maybe just sample what, the, what it has to offer there. And then you'll want to go back again in the summer months when the weather is really good and uh, and see a part of the state that, again, gets overlooked. The history of that area perhaps gets overlooked a lot more than it should, but it provides for a lot of fun for us uh, this time of year and at others. Listen, that's going to do it for us today. I want to thank my guests. I want to thank Clay. I want to thank Randy Opplinger from the uh, Division of Wildlife Resources. Check out some of those local ponds and do a little fishing there. I want to thank Gary. I want to thank George, as always. And most importantly, I want to thank you for listening. We'll be back again next Saturday morning right here on Inside the Outdoors between 8 and 9 a.m. On 97.5 The Zone. Until then, my friends, have a great week. And as always, you have been warned. Love you.